0: We started the month of Kislev, which is a very significant month, the holiday of Hanukkah. And there's an incredible, incredible amount written about it in all of these svarims, especially in all the Hasidic svarim, especially in Breslov. We'll try to cover some special highlights, really incredibly significant points about this holiday. We know that the, the... Throughout the year, we have the three major holidays, Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkos. During the time that we had a Beis HaMikdash, every Jew would come to the Beis HaMikdash three times a year. The wording in the Torah is, Shavosh pomen bashonah, Yeroy khal Hashem. Three times a year, the men were required to come to the Beis HaMikdash to see Hashem. Any questions? How can we see him? How can you yeah. see Hashem? Why is Hashem only in the base Hamikdash? Why no is Hashem means, only in the Hamikdash? I do. Good question, good question. We'll take the second question first. He's not only in the of Hamikdash. There's a song that they teach kids, small children usually, Hashem is here, Hashem is there, Hashem is really everywhere. So Hashem is everywhere. But there are some places where he's more, easy, just like there are certain times when he's more available and easier access, so too there are certain places that are more conducive for connecting with Hashem. And, and the reason being, again, and, and that the answer to the first question is going to relate to yours, how do we see Hashem? The answer is, when things are going, on, going along in a natural way, we don't see Hashem there's something called mother nature or mother-in-law nature, whatever you want to call it, which people use as a substitute, chas v'shoam, for Hashem. People who don't want to believe in Hashem and don't want to have any responsibilities, don't want to to be bound by any laws or any mitzvahs or anything like that, there is no God. There's mother nature. You know, if there's natural, things are natural and nature and that's it. So, Nature doesn't obligate me to do anything or not to be allowed to do, it. You know, I can do whatever I want, that kind of thing. That's referred to as the hidden, in Hebrew, in Hebrew, the word for nature is Hateva. Hateva means nature, and it's written that the word Hateva is the same numerical value as one of Hashem's name. Hashem's name, Elohim, which is sort of a hidden form of Hashem. The more, the more visible, the more clear, when, when Hashem shows Himself in a more clear way, <coughs> it's through His basic name, which is Yud Kevav Kev, that we're familiar with. So when the, when the, when the Mishnah describes the Beis HaMikdosh... The Beis HaMikdash was a place where there were miracles taking place on a constant basis. There's a Mishnim in that tells us there were 10 miracles that you could see in the Beis HaMikdash on a constant basis. There was no air conditioning at the time, and it was in Eretz Yisrael, hot days, cold days, and they were processing animals the whole time, slaughtering birds, uh, lamb, beef, everything. No fly, and never was a fly seen in the kitchens and the, the slaughterhouse of the, of the Beis HaMikdosh. And other miracles that are described. So this is what took place on, that. this is part of what made these three holidays so special, that it was an opportunity to be able to see, see these miracles, and thereby have a, an incredible consciousness of Hashem. Today we don't have a Beis HaMikdosh. So then what's the big deal about these holidays? The answer is that these holidays commemorate. They remind us of major miracles that took place. That's why we have these holidays. On Pesach, we're reminded of the miracles that took place, the ten plagues that Hashem inflicted on the Egyptians, and all the miracles that were involved when the Jews left Egypt. On Shavuos, the miracles that took place during the time when Hashem gave the Torah on Mount Sinai, we're told that everybody, it says there, V'chol haom the entire Jewish nation was able to see. What do you mean? Aren't there any people that are blind, that needed glasses at the time? The answer is, whoever was blind was cured, was healed. And there are other psukim that show the miracles that took place. It says they were able to, to, to see sound v'chol ha'om ro'im to see sound there's a pasuk v'chol haom ro'im et ha'kolot the entire nation saw the sounds ever seen sound? Water, ne- neither have I excuse me? maybe in water you can see the waves, exactly today for, we know a concept of sound waves <laughs> but we know that we cannot see it normally they were able to see sound and and other miracles that took place at that time. Sukkot, the holiday of Sukkot that we celebrate, commemorates the miracle that we're told that during the 40 years that the Jews were traveling in the desert, there were clouds, seven clouds that traveled with them, that smoothed out hills and valleys, that processed, that laundered their clothing, that tailored their clothing, so, each one of the holidays is a, a commemoration of miracles that took place, tremendous, you know, where, where it made us much more aware, it made it easier to believe in Hashem, and to, to connect to Hashem. And that's what the Beis HaMikdosh was about. A place where a, where a place where the connection to Hashem was much more obvious and clear to everyone. Hashem knew there's going to come a time when we're not going to have the Beis HaMikdosh. Is there any substitute for it? Where? Good. Excuse me? Everywhere? Everywhere In a shul, the Gemara says, there's a pasuk, that Hashem said, even when we won't have the major based on HaMikdosh, we'll have a minor based on HaMikdosh. Every shul, every synagogue, every yeshiva is a miniature Beit Hamikdash. It's a sanctuary. It's a place that's designated as a holy place for Hashem. So that certain things that I can do in my living room, in my kitchen, my bedroom, I cannot do in a shul because it's mikdash. It's mikudash. It's it's on a higher level of holiness. Kivreit Tzaddikim also is a very, very a place of tremendous holiness. In addition, Hashem said, we know that when a person person is healthy, the Torah tells us, if the person has a shul in their vicinity, and they don't attend, Hashem says, you're not a good neighbor. Because a good neighbor visits a neighbor. A good neighbor sees, they, they interact with a neighbor. Hashem says, if there's a shul in your neighborhood, which means that's my home, if you don't visit, I consider you that you're not a good neighbor. So that, so that, that, uh, now, what about if a person's sick? What if a person's not well and they can't go to shul? Uh, excuse me? <laughs> Anus Rachmana Patre. Anus <laughs> Rachmana Patre, exactly. If a person cannot go to shul, Hashem exempts the person, they're not, they're not obligated. Shouldn't the shul come to them? Oh, <laughs> we got everybody on the ball tonight. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> The answer is that when a person is sick, there's a whole chapter in Shulchan Aruch called Hilchot Bikur Cholim. There's a special, special mitzvah of the shul going to him, that we go to him. A rabbi, a rabbi goes to visit a non-rabbi, a simple person, special mitzvah of Bikur Cholim. Who set the example for this? The um, uh, malachim with Abram Avinu. The malachim. And Hashem, and Hashem, vayeiro elav Hashem, the three angels that came to see Avram Avinu. But even more so, Hashem, vayeiro elav Hashem Belone mamrei. Avram Avinu had a bris when he was 99 years old. And on the third day after an operation, that's when it's most painful and Hashem came to visit him, it says, and the Gemara says, from here we learn this mitzvah of Bikur Cholim, and we learn that no matter how important you are, you could be a rabbi, you could be a king, you have a mitzvah to visit this person. When he's sick, he can't come to you. He cannot come to you. You go to him. So Rabbi Natanz, Rabbi Nachman's closest student, says (coughs) that this is what Hanukkah, this is what Hanukkah and Purim are about. Hashem knew there's going to come a time when we won't have the Beis Hamikdash. We're not going to have a place that we can go to see Him. So Hashem said, no problem, I'll come to you. We light the menorah, the menorah, the place for the menorah was in the Beis Hamikdash, right? Not just in the Beis Mikdash, but in, in the holy, one of the holiest sections of the Beis Hamikdash. Hashem said, I know there's going to come a time that the Jews are going to be in exile, we're not going to be strong, like, like a, in a position of strength. And Hashem says, I'm going to give you these two holidays where I come to you. I, which means that this is a time of a tremendous rachamim, tremendous kindness. When Hashem recognizes that we're not at full strength, and Hashem says, okay, I'm not going to hold it against you in any way. On the contrary, I'm going to reach out to you. This is, this is what Hanukkah and Purim are about, these two incredible, incredible holy holidays. Now, in Hanukkah, we see something unique. The, the Torah tells us that usually the divine spirit of Hashem keeps a certain safe distance from, from the earth. We know that when Odom and Chava ate from the Eitz Hadas, Hashem issued 39 curses at the time, 10 to Odom, 10 to Chava, Ten to the snake, and ten to the ground. Arura The earth, the ground, was cursed, and it says therefore the divine spirit of Hashem will not go beneath ten t'fachim, ten fists from the ground. It keeps when when it does come down, it comes only so 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 far down. Except Hanukkah is an exception to that. Hanukkah, we light the menorah a person is allowed to, and it's recommended, to light the menorah between three tevachim and ten tevachim. That's the preferred. If a person doesn't have a a choice, let's say they have a window, and the window is higher than that, you're allowed to light it higher. But that's the the preferred area, is below ten tevachim. Below ten tevachim, to show that we recognize that on Hanukkah, Hashem wants to get close to us and Hashem recognizes that we have highs and lows, and even when a person is low, Hashem wants to show, I'm with you, I'm with you. You're down, I'm down there with you. This is again one of the highlights of Chanukah. Now there's a very interesting point. Rabbi Nachman points out that the definition of a tzaddik, a real tzaddik, is someone who emulates Hashem. Hashem is for everyone everyone. And compared to Hashem, no one's really bigger or smaller. We're all very, very tiny compared to Hashem. So Hashem is for everyone. They say Rabbi Shimon is for everyone. Rabbi Shimon Bar On Lot Baomer especially, on Rabbi Shimon's special day, you see people of every type and every level, you know, coming to coming to Meiron. It's the largest Jewish gathering of the year in the entire world. There's no stadium, there's no soccer game, there's no anything that competes with Lag Bomer. Lag Bomer is taking place in a village. It's not a city. Miron is called Kfar Miron, it's a kfar. Maybe a hundred families living there or something like that, a hundred, two hundred families. And it's the largest gathering of the Jewish people on this earth. Even though the religious people make up a fraction of the Jewish nation, we're talking about 15 million people. How many people keep Shabbat? How many people are religious? And and B'Omer, pre-COVID, the numbers were going up to between 500 and 700 thousand people coming there, you know, for that holiday during that two or three-day period around lagbomer Recently, it's dropped to two, three hundred. That's still a lot, a lot of people. Why? Because Rabbi Shimon Bar was a, an example of a tzaddik who on one hand, he taught the top, the creme de la creme, those rabbis who were capable of studying secrets of Torah, Kabbalah, they were his students. <inaudible> exactly, exactly. It's Pnei Ha'adon Hashem, it says, Da <inaudible> Rabbi He taught the highest level students, the students that were capable of understanding the highest depth of Torah, and he also reached out to people who were those people who were usually excluded, who were left out, Rabbi Shimon was the one who included them. Where do we see this? Most people aren't aware of this, and this is an incredible thing. You ask most people who is Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai? Zohar, Kabbalah, the deepest of the deepest. What about the guys downstairs? What about them? The Gemara tells an incredible story. The Gemara says there was a student who orchestrated a world war between two of the leading rabbis of the generation during his time, Rabbi Gamliel the Nasi, and Rabbi Yehoshua, who's called Hakima Diodon, the wisest of the rabbis. This student knew that these two rabbis disagree on a certain issue. Now, Rabbi Gamliel was the Nasi, the chief rabbi, and usually his word was 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 law. <coughs> This student orchestrated a scenario where he told Rabbi Gamliel, you know, Rabbi Yeshua disagrees with you on this. And Rabbi Gamliel said, really? We'll see tomorrow. And when they came, when all the students, the leading rabbis of the generation gathered in the yeshiva, and Rabbi Gamliel said, my opinion is so-and-so. Does anybody disagree with me? And everybody was quiet out of respect for the chief rabbi. He's the Nasi. Rabbi Gamliel said, "What about you, Rabbi Yeshua? I understand that you have a different opinion about this." Rabbi Yeshua said, I, "I didn't want to say anything, but if you're putting me in this predicament, I have to say you're right. I disagree, and I." And Rabbi Gamliel usually, when a rabbi would say something, the, the the chief rabbi would tell him, "Okay, you said your things. Sit down." Rabbi Gamliel didn't tell him to sit down. He made him stand for the whole time, and this was a this was. Insulting a little bit to Rabbi Yeshua. And the Gemara says that this was already the second or third time that something like this happened. And the rabbi said, that's it. We're not going to stand for this anymore. We're going to impeach Rabbi Gamliel. This is the first and I think last time in Jewish history that such a thing happened in the Gemara, that they decided to impeach the Nasi. And then they started thinking, who should we take as a replacement? And the Gemara says they, they... offered different opinions. <clears throat> Each one, there was a different reason why not. In the end, it was Rabbi Eloza ben Azariah. In the end, the Gemara says that Rabbi Raben Gamliel went to apologize to Rabbi Yeshua. Everything was resolved. But the Gemara says that when this happened, they removed the guard at the entrance of the yeshiva. Up until then, Rabbi Gamliel had posted a guard, and whoever wanted to come into the yeshiva would get an interrogation. They would check him out, and see, does he qualify? Is he worthy? Is he really worthy to be accepted in the yeshiva? And many people were excluded. The Gemara says that on that day, when this whole thing took place, they got rid of the guard, and they added, there's two opinions. One says 400 benches, not chairs, 400 benches to the yeshiva. The other one says 700 benches of people who were left out until then, that now they were welcome, they were all invited. And the Gemara says that, that, that there were things that the rabbis had forgotten over the years. There's a Masech de Edios where each one of the rabbis testifies, I remember hearing this and this thing from my ra-. On that day, there was an incredible revelation of Torah that took place. The Gemara te- tells this whole story, and the last line says, and guess who was the student that orchestrated this whole thing? Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and one of the rabbis says why doesn't it say it up front? why does it start off leaving like a mystery? a student The what, what? tomorrow says because if we'd mention his name up front while you're reading the whole story you'd think this guy is the worst the guy who orchestrated a world you know so they waited till they got to the finish to hear that everything was resolved. Rabbi Gamlio went and apologized completely, the rabbis reinstated him, and they made a deal where he and this new chief rabbi switched off. One week he led, the, the other week he. So there was perfect peace and harmony, but this was all orchestrated, orchestrated by Rabbi Shimon Bihai in order to be makariv, in order to reach out to the hundreds of students That were excluded and make sure that they were invited. We see the definition. Rabbi Nachman writes this: that the definition of a real tzaddik is someone who can who can teach the most learned people. He can show them that they still have a lot to learn, and he can take people who feel totally disconnected, totally rejected, and make them make them realize that there's no such thing in Judaism as rejected. No such thing. Exactly, everyone is welcome. Everyone is invited. Where do we see this in Chanukah? The, 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 the requirements of lighting the Chanukah candles: we said you are allowed to light it up to three Tfachim from the ground. The, 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 the Torah defines a tzaddik. We say, we say this in Davar in the morning: Hashem <laughs> What should come after that? Va yesod. It's mm-hmm. listing the attributes of Hashem. Gedula, which is chesed, gevura, teferes, Netzachod, yesod. And then it says, l'cho Hashem hamamloch, hamalchus. Where is yesod? Oh. The answer, excuse me? Chol. Oh. Chol, almost. Oh. Ki Chol is bigematria yesod. Ki Chol bashamayim v'oretz. Yesod, the tzaddik who is yesod has to be up in heaven and down on earth. He's got to be the one who can reach the highest, most advanced people and the people who are all the way on bottom. We light Hanukkah candles. <laughs> what do we use? What's the preferred thing to use for Hanukkah candles? <coughs> Oil. Oil. Shemen is bigimotria shamayim. How low is the lowest place that, that you can light the candles? Three <laughs> Three times the word tefach is eretz, eretz, to show that the Hanukkah candles represent the light of the tzaddik, the light of a tzaddik. Thirty-six candles corresponding to thirty-six tzaddikim. There's a pasuk that says cholak libam, that the, their heart was divided. Their heart was divided. The Zohar Kadosh says, who is the heart of the Jewish people? The tzaddikim. The word Libam is 72. The Zohar Kadosh says that in every generation there are 36 tzaddikim in Eretz Yisroel, 36 tzaddikim in the rest of the world. <clears throat> and the 36 candles that we light on Hanukkah represent the light of the tzaddikim, their light. Where is their light? Shamayim and Aretz. The light of its tzaddik is a light that can reach the most advanced person needs the tzaddik, needs the tzaddik whoever it is. And if they don't realize that, they, they they get hurt. Korach. Korach, we're told, was very, very smart. He had Ruach HaKodesh, everything. He didn't realize that even he needed Moshe Rabbeinu. He took a tremendous fall. That kind of thing. How can one recognize that without it being, gay, without it being too much like, uh, say arrogance? How can one recognize what? That they are, maybe, this time how can they recognize? The Torah defines Moshe Rabbeinu Moshe onov ma'od mikol Hodom. The answer is, that's his most important requirement. His most important requirement is realizing that there's someone on top of him, that he's the top and and there's someone on top of him, which is Hashem. One of the reasons why we wear a head covering, a yarmulke, it's called yaremika, to To always realize, be conscious, That there's someone above me, there is someone above me. That I'm not the top. No matter how smart I am, I could be the father of a family. I could be the mayor of a city. There's someone over me, which is Hashem. Exactly. True humility is not to shame yourself. To say I can do this, but it's all thanks to Hashem. Exactly. Exactly. One of my rabbis, Rabbi Rosenthal, once said that there are people that say, "I'm nothing. I'm nothing." And it's not humility, it's reality, it's true. The guy really is nothing. He, you know, yet. Humility is when a person is everything. A person has all the qualifications, and says, I'm nothing, because I know it's not me, it's all Hashem any knowledge that I have is a gift of Hashem. Anything that I have. I can't, All of us come into this world naked. Nothing, nothing, nothing. So anything I have, if somebody gives me a glass of water, I have to be so thankful because, again, it's all gift. It's all gift. It's not mine, that kind of thing. Any questions? Go ahead. If, if we're saying you have to go through Moshe, it just sounds a little fair because Moshe came very clearly, presented himself. He's a messenger from God perform miracles for us. There's no doubt. We knew exactly who he was and who you have to go through. I don't see any Moshe's. Moshe didn't come to me, and I haven't found any Moshe's. I will find it for you. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I can tell you. It's not me. I, I, I'm going to help you. Your question is extremely important. extremely important. There's a pasuk in the Torah, that that describes what what you're going through and what I'm going through and what all of us are going through. It says, "Va'anochi haster astir esponai bayom That just like we said before, when there was a Beis Hamikdash, they were able to see Hashem. They were able to see Hashem. <laughs> Exactly. exactly. On Har Sinai, diber Hashem imochem. all of Kali Yisrael experienced nevuah. We're told that unfortunately, do it's my fault, not Hashem's fault, our fault, that we forfeited that closeness to Hashem. We're in exile, we're in Golos. There's a postic, golo that Golos means that we don't have the the consciousness that we had once before, we don't have that same connection. Hashem is hidden, not just hidden, but the fact that he's hidden is hidden. That's the Chiddush. And the, and the Gemara says, <laughs> Dayo Leved lios karabo. The Tzadik says, hey, if Hashem is hidden, then I'm not going to go public. I can't go public. I can't be bigger than Hashem. So Hashem is hidden and the tzaddikim are hidden. And this is our greatest this is our most difficult test. It's a very difficult test to search, to search for the tzaddikim, to search who is the tzaddik, who is the one, where do you search? And what do you use to search? You use a light, a flashlight, use light. What's the light? The Torah is the light. Kine'er mitzvah Torah. A person needs to study Torah as best as they can, and the Torah defines tzaddik. The Torah tells you what a tzaddik is. Humility, he said before. Humi- the Torah defines all of the attributes. The Zohar says, "Man tzaddik, man bris." A tzaddik has to be somebody who's exceptional in purity, in purity, in the relationship between men and women, and all kinds of other qualities. That's one one method of the search, and another message is to pray to pray. We say, "David Amel says until Gal einai. Hashem, open my eyes. We make a bruch every morning, Pokeh Hashem who gives vision to the blind. Who are the Who's blind? I'm blind. I'm blind. We are blind. We are living in a time where the most important things we don't see. Hashem, the Creator of the world, the, the most important figure in everything, is invisible. Hashem is invisible. And as such, the tzaddikim are not visible, are not apparent. And it becomes a difficult, difficult, delicate process to search. And we're told, the Gemara says that one of the kings, Yanai HaMelech, when he was shortly before he passed away, he called over his wife and he told her there are three categories of people. Two of them you don't have to worry about. Tzaddikim and Reshoim, no problem. Tzvuim ponies, people that are fake, That's that you're going to have to be very, very careful. And we're told that we are living in an olam ha This world is defined, we're told that the future world is the world of truth, the olam ha This world is the olam ha That In this world, what you see is not what you get. The, you know, the whole advertising and marketing industry and everything is all about making what's bad look good and what's making, what's, what's good look bad, that kind of thing. Coke is life. Coke is li- Really? Coke is life? Give me a break. Give me a break, you know. So, so, so that's it. Now, here again, but th- this is connected to the holiday of Hanukkah in a big way. We said Hanukkah is light. Light, which is truth, you know. There's a passage, Hashem is your light and your truth. On Hanukkah, we light eight candles. It's brought that these eight candles correspond to the eight times that you have the word emet in the morning prayer that we say, Fem mm-hmm. You'll take a look in your Siddur. Emes V'yatsa, Emes Ato Emes It says the word emes there exactly eight times. The Arizal says the eight candles that we're lighting on Hanukkah is to, to light up to open my eyes that I'm showing that I recognize that I'm in a world I'm in a place of Sheker. I'm in a place where the light is hidden Hashem is hidden the tzaddik is hidden the Torah is hidden all of these things and I'm pleading with by, by Performing this Mitzvah lighting these eight candles. I'm showing that I want to connect to EmmaS. I want to. I want to come close to Emes. I want to come close to Hashem. I want to come close to the truth, Sadikim. I want to come close to the truth of the Torah. Now listen carefully for a minute. There's a sefer, but Bnei Yisochar, the author of Bnei Sochar wrote a number of svarim. He mentions in one place that we know that one of the one of the high levels that a person could get to in this world is to have the privilege of seeing Eliyahu Navi The Gemara tells us that there were unique individuals that had the privilege of seeing Elianovi and it's written how fortunate blessed is the person who sees him in even a dream to see Elianovi how much more so to be able to see him when you incredible privilege oh. I lost my train of thought for a moment oh, oh, to see Elianovi the Gomorrah in Gittin in the beginning, the Gemara says there was a rabbi, Rabbi Aviyazar, who met Eliyanavi, and he spoke to him. You know, we spoke about him today, learning in, uh, in Masechet Gittin. Really? Yeah, we're learning about Rabbi Aviyazar. Uh, that he uh, said of, he brought up a case about a, a, a shadiah from Babylon who came into Israel, uh, and then he was called out because he didn't have the lines on his written uh, things. So. Incredible! Incredible coincidence. He appears maybe you know very few times in Shas. Mm-hmm. We're him up, and you tell me you learned about it today. So listen to this. It says on page one, not page one, you know, that he's speaking to Elianavi. The next page, Rabbi, Eli- Rabbi says something, and the Gemara says, how do we know what he's saying is true? Maybe it's not true. So the B'nai Yisrael says, I don't understand. You just told me a few minutes ago he was talking to Elia if he's on a level to be speaking to Navi, is there a question as to whether he knows the truth of the Torah? And he says from here we see that for a person to be Zaycha to the MS of the Torah is a higher level than Giloy Navi. Can, can Navi be a, a, a person that's born and lives and then dies? He was. He was. He today, did. Today. He'd ah. He he. Today he's not. He come uh-huh. when he comes down to the world. He takes on fi- a physical form. No, see n- n- Anybody who has a, you know, a knowledge of their of their, of their past and they were born of their life and anything like that automatically because he he is he not born. He doesn't die. Who Novi. Yeah, he would appear as a person. Yes, exactly, a exactly. Person who has a past? a person who has a story. Yes, yes. The story appears in in, in the Novi. Did you hear what I just said? Did you hear what I just said? So that a person is learning Torah and the Torah tells us about itself that the Torah is medicine and it's poison. Take your pick. Take your pick. If you're searching for the truth, if you really want to know the truth, if you're looking to improve yourself, if we realize that we're not perfect, we're far from perfect, and I believe that the Torah is divine wisdom and studying this is going to help me improve, it's going to help me recognize my shortcomings and realize what I need to improve and etc., then a person will be able to, to get to the truth, of the, the ms of the Torah, the medicine. It, it becomes an elixir of life. If a person is looking to show off, if a person is looking to, to disprove Hashem or all kinds of negative, they'll find it in the Torah. They'll find it. or a person's looking to, to learn how to steal, how to rob from people, how to trick people, how to fool people. That they'll find that in the Torah also. How could a person ensure themselves that they'll be to to take the positive out of the Torah? person has to pray to Hashem. That's why we say a prayer in the morning. We make a bracha on the Torah and we plead with Hashem, Hashem please evno Hashem, that, that we should be zochet to understand the Torah properly. I should read it properly. I should get the right messages from it. It should make me into a better person <coughs> not, not the opposite. <coughs> you wanted to ask something? You to oh. I, today, I, I yeah. the Torah and became Tamay. There's, the, there's another thing. Like poison. Exactly. A contradiction. It would Did seem do it to. The right way, uh, exactly. Exactly. Question if, <clears throat> if, you, if you can describe a little bit the process of in the menorah and like how do we practically, we're speaking a lot about searching for the light of the Torah and the light of the Tzaddikim. Practically speaking, when we light the menorah, how do we, do we do that? Sure. The, the good, good question. In terms of the timing, For starters, the time of lighting Hanukkah candles, the Gemara defines it. The Gemara says that it's from Tzeis HaKochavim, preferably from when three medium stars come out, which in, in Israel is about a little more than 20 minutes after sunset. Again, there are different customs in this. There are Litvish people who light before Shkia, they light or at at the time of Shkia, the custom that that most Hasidim follow and most Nusach follow is from, as the Gemara says, from Seisakochovim, from when the stars come out, until when there are no more people walking around in the marketplace. That's the wording in the Gemara. From Seisakochovim until Adchetichle Regel Menashuk. That's the wording in the Gemara. What is here again, the timing when I'm when I'm going to do this mitzvah, and I'm looking at my watch and I'm waiting, I'm waiting for the right time to be able to light these candles. <laughs> the right time is Tse What is Tzeis Who are the stars? Who are the stars of the Jewish people? There's a pasuk Umatzdike Rabim Kakohaven. The tzaddikim who are matsdike rabin, those tzaddikim who are able to see the good. In the public, who are able to see their matzlik the rabbim, that they, they they bring people close to Hashem, they are called these koychovim. That's called seis hakoychovim when they come out. Mm-hmm. At regel men hashuk, regel in Hebrew means the foot, and regel is a term used to refer to people who make machloket, strife, miraglim. The meraglim were the people who spoke negatively, who spoke against Eretz Yisrael. A person who speaks lashon hara, anything, anything speaking bad, negatively about another person, is referred to as meraglim or regel loyragal alishaynoyro. These these kind of terminology. We're told that the timing of lighting these candles is when the light of the tzaddikim is shining, and and, and when their light shines. There'll be no more regal in the marketplace. People will not be fighting. People will not be, arguing. People will not be speaking against each other. There'll be shalom. There'll be peace. When a person is doing this mitzvah to the degree that a person could be conscious of these things, it's great. Even if a person's going to say, I wish I could remember all this. So, you know, three weeks from now, I'm going to forget everything I heard. I'm not going to remember The answer is that when a person performs a mitzvah, and they do it according to the rules of the Torah, and I believe at the time that I'm doing it, that this is not just a physical activity. This is something spiritual. This is something holy. And there's all kinds of big things going on when I do this. Some of them I learned. I was at a she'er. I heard some interesting things that I I had no idea that, that, you know, that the height and the time, everything is so, so deep, you know, deep things about it. If a person says, I'm lighting the candles because Hashem said to do it and because I believe that there are very holy, spiritual things going on, then then their lighting of the mitzvah will give them all of these connections. Just like a person turns on a flicks a switch of a, you know, to turn on a light. Do do I know exactly how by flicking this switch that that light is going on? I don't know. Or a better example that my rabbi gave. You have a kid who walks into a silo, a missile silo, and they see buttons there, green buttons, yellow buttons, red buttons, and the kid loves, he knows his toys have red buttons, and and he starts pressing all the buttons, and nothing happens, and somebody comes running and screaming, what are you doing with... Nothing. This toy doesn't work. This thing doesn't work. I pressed all the buttons. No, nothing happened. You just blew up a city over there and a city over there. You don't. Each one of these buttons shoots a different missile. The Arizal says that's what's happening when we do mitzvot, when we put on sittus, when we put on tfilin To us, it looks like a physical thing: the eight strings, the leather straps, this, that. There, there are, you know, there are things <coughs> going on—incredible, high-level spiritual things which if a person wants, they can learn about it. The Sifre Kabbalah, the Sifre Hasidus, explain, they open our eyes to give us an idea of what's going on here. And even if a person doesn't know, but they do it with sincerity, because I believe, I believe that this is Torah, this is the word of Hashem, this is not just something physical, this is something spiritual, something very deep, then those things happen automatically again, to the degree that a person has the knowledge, it's, it's better, it's more powerful. But even if a person doesn't know, but they believe, I believe, I'm doing this because Hashem said so. I'm doing this because the rabbis, the holy rabbis taught us to do it, and I know there's special things going on by doing this, then, then those things happen. So should one strive to get to that, or it's just be content where, where you're holding? The, the answer is, The answer is, listen to the question. He's asking, should one strive to get to that level where they learn more and more about about what this is all about, or should they be content that I believe, I believe it's holy, I don't have to know. The answer is that that's one of the things we learn from Hanukkah. The first night we light one candle, the second night two candles, the third night three. What's that all about? If the number is eight... Then why not just light all candles, you know, every night? What's 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 the big deal? And if they're not, you know, what's going on here? What's it's teaching us about the, the basics of Judaism? That in Judaism there is no such thing as a person staying in one place. Mosif its it's called adding every single day, adding more light, adding new light, growing, learning new things. If a person isn't learning something new, one of Rabbi Nachman's students once said. If my Kriyat shema today is going to be the same as yesterday's Kriyat shema, when I say the Shema, if I'm going to say it today the same way I said it yesterday, then I'm ready to put my head on the guillotine, to have them chop off my head. Why? Because if Hashem gave me a new day, He expects a new Kriyat shema. Hashem doesn't want yesterday stuff, old stuff. He wants me to be new every single day. He wants me to be learning new things every day. And He wants my approach when I put on tefillin tomorrow, when I'm going to put on tefillin tomorrow, I'm not going to do it like it's the 800th time I'm putting on tefillin, because then it's not special. I'm going to do it like it's my first time. You ever see a bar mitzvah boy when he comes into shul with his crisp, shiny tefillin and he's putting it on for the first time and he's he's the spotlight, the whole shirah, he's... He's on top of the world. He's like the luckiest guy in the world that he's putting on these twill and his father told him it cost a thousand dollars, you know, and so special. And it's called the crown of Hashem. But a Jew can experience that, Rabbi Nachman teaches us. If you want, you could experience that every single day. It's all up here. It's my approach. It's my approach to what I'm doing. And it's my approach to everything. Lahafdil. A person eating breakfast. Two people sit down to eat breakfast, and one person is doing the world a favor that he's eating breakfast. And another person's eating breakfast. It's the same, I had the same eggs that I had yesterday, and the same this. It's not the same. Nothing's the same. The Torah defines the, the Hashem <speaking> in <Spanish> nothing in this world is the same one day today as yesterday. Nothing. Proof is, if you have a plant in the house, you have a plant, and you leave the house for 10-day vacation, and you come back, and you see it grew, you know, an inch or two inches. When did that happen? Did that happen the minute I walked out the door? Or did that happen right before I came in? No. It happened every second. Every second that I was away, every second that thing was growing. We are growing every second of the day. Everything in this world is changing every second of the day. The miracle is like an extra, extra miracle every day. Exactly. The miracle got bigger every single day. Imagine this this amount of oil that was either was enough for one day or according to some, not even enough for one day and it was able to burn for... for. We'll add one final comment. I learned that today too because you brought up this topic. Fear. Fear. Is fear a good thing or a bad thing? Right? Uh, both, both exactly right. Fear kills. Fear can kill a person. There's a, an expression to die from fright. Right? person gets a sudden fright, it can kill the person. Or at least can make a person very sick. fear anxiety phobias there must be thousands of books written about this this is what 99% of the world is suffering from fear whether it's fear of financial issues or health or every type of fear which 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 kills people or or shortens their life if that's the case then how come in how come there's ashray otma faketamed how come chochma Yirat Hashem? We have a hundred places in the Torah where it speaks about fear. You should fear Hashem. Ish tiro. Respect your pa- fear. Have, be afraid of your parents. What's all of this stuff? I thought the Torah was about life. chayim The Torah is supposed to be a book of life. Where's the li- good question? The answer is there are two types of fear. There's kosher fear and there's unkosher fear. When fear is directed, fear which goes together with respect. There's First of all, there's two types of fear. There's yirat ha'onish, this fear of punishment. I'm driving on the highway and it says 120 kilometers maximum and I'm, I'm doing 140, 140, and I see a police car and suddenly I slow down or I see the guy with the radar gun and I slow down. Why? Because I don't want to get hit with a thousand shekel fine. Or I don't want my license suspended, or I don't want my, you know, etc., etc., right? There's Yirat there's Ha'onish, and there's Yirat haromemut. There's a fear that comes f- from a, a position of respect, an awe. That there, it's not the term fear, it's awe. When somebody's wowed by somebody, something, somebody's standing, if you ever stood in front of the Empire State Building with something like that, right in front of the building, and look up. And you're looking up at this thing and saying, wow, wow, this thing is really huge, big. This concept of when somebody sees something that's tremendous, you know, very, very big, and and that commands respect, a certain level of respect. So, So there's these two types of fear. So now there's unhealthy fear. When a person's fear is directed to the wrong places, it can kill a person, or shorten the person's life. When a person has fear of Hashem, respect for Hashem, or respect for Torah, respect for those kind of things, there's a pasuk, Yirat Hashem Tosif Yamim. Fear of Hashem adds life. Not only doesn't it subtract, not only doesn't it take away from your life, it adds life. Why? Here again, a person gets up in the morning, the, the alarm goes off, I'm tired, I'm not going to get out of bed. If the person has a job and he knows that he's got to show up at that job at 9 o'clock, and if he doesn't show up enough times at 9 o'clock, he'll get fired. And he won't have food, he won't be able to feed his family. That fear sometimes is what gives a person the motivation to get out of that bed. That I'm not going to wake up at 10 o'clock, I'm going to get up at 9 o'clock, or I'm going to make sure to be at that bus. I don't want to miss that bus, because if I miss that bus, I'm going to come late, and if I come late, I can lose my job, that kind of thing. So there's a fear that's toysif yomim, that adds days to a person, that adds time, that increases a person's time. Where do we see this? We see it in the Hanukkah candles. Because one of the things that's synonymous with fear is fire at Har Sinai, when the Jews stood at Har Sinai it says they saw fire, flashing fire at the time, Hashem put on a Steve Spielberg uh, production over there on on Har Sinai thunder, lightning, fire, the works the whole mountain was the the whole mountain was blazing, everything so it says there so fire is synonymous with fear fire destroys right, anybody knows that that you set fire to... Excuse me? It consumes. It consumes. Light a match to a table, it's going to consume the table. What do we see on Hanukkah? On Hanukkah, they had a small amount of oil. They had a one-day supply of oil and they put a match to it. And what happened? It increased the life. Yirat Hashem tosif yomim. This one-day supply of oil or less than a day of supply of oil burned for eight days which shows us this concept that there is a fire there is a type of fear that not only doesn't it take away from your life Yiras Hashem Tosif it adds life make sense? we should be zochet to perform the mitzvahs of Hanukkah with joy and happiness Amen. Hashem should put an end to all the darkness in the world today the, the, the different flavors of darkness that Darkness, evil, every kind of evil and darkness. And Hashem should turn on the lights for for us, for everyone, for the whole world.